Hello, everybody. Welcome into season one, episode seven of the Average Joe's podcast. I'm Josh, joined by Dale, Tim, and Jake. Guys, welcome back to another episode. How the hell are you? Doing great. Doing great. Doing, doing great, Josh. Good to be here again. Good to hear. Good to hear. So uh, I just want to let our listeners know that we have changed the name up a little bit. So we were the three Average Joes, but uh, unbeknownst to Dale, the last two weeks we had him on, it was an audition and he passed. So he's now going to join our podcast yeah, going yeah. forward. And so uh, when you're searching for us on Spotify or whatever app you listen on, it's going to be the Average Joes going forward. So no longer three Average Joes. So there's four of us. So Dale, welcome to the club. Nice. And we know we've, we value your opinion as, as we do everybody's on the show here. And we know that you bring a added dimension to uh, our shows here. So let's get started. We have a lot of information to cover and we're going to start with the uh, Pennzoil 400 in Vegas last week, won by Joey Logano for the second year in a row, but this year it's with a new crew chief and Paul Wolf. Um, do you guys think that Joey Logano is the number one priority right now at Penske? Oh, he definitely is, Josh. When you consider the fact that Paul Wolf, this was his 30th win as a crew chief in the Cup Series. Obviously, his first without Brad Keselowski, the 2012 title. And that pit crew, the old two crew, they averaged pit stops about a second or two faster than the 12 and the 22 did last year. So I think it's pretty obvious that Roger Penske feels like that's his best chance to win right now is with Joey Logano. Right. Yeah, I totally agree I with that, Jake. I know I told you off the record uh, a couple days ago, Jake, that I feel like after last week, uh, Paul and, and Joey are primed to have a big season here. I think it's going to be, I don't know, if I had to venture to guess somewhere around five or six wins, if I had to look at it right now. But Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. He's in my championship yeah, four. There's, I didn't initially put him in there, but I think I have to now at this point after the way they're starting off the season. Dale, any thoughts? I mean, what I would what I was going to say on this is I almost feel like Joey Logano is the number one, but as crazy as it is, I think Roger Penske sees the writing on the wall and maybe Brad Keselowski's out of there. And that's actually why he probably made this crew chief swap and whole team swap to get Logano's car, you know, being the number one. And as crazy as it is to me right now, Ryan Blaney's number two in the stable, not Brad Keselowski. See Dale and, that's the kind oh, yeah. of out-of-box thinking I'm talking about. Yes! You, you bring this added dimension to the show, and that's something I honestly didn't even think about. Maybe you're right. Roger Penske does see the writing on the wall, and pretty much it is what it is. The, the bet is made, and, and Brad's out next year. As Jake predicted, he's going to drive the 48 for Hendrick. Yeah. yeah, I totally agree with Dale. The perspective that Roger Penske had, who knows, maybe Brad Keselowski probably told him before – before January even rolled around that he has other options for 2021. So obviously that this is part of the, part of the plan that must be in place. And like you said, Dale, Ryan Blaney, without a doubt is easily the number two guy at Penske right now. I mean, he's the points leader. Yeah. I mean, he's even knocking on the door to be number one there with the way he's been running the last two weeks. Just doesn't have that win like Logano does so far. Now, Jake, what's the contract status of Blaney? Is it up after the season? It okay, is. so he's pretty much in a make-or-break season because he hasn't had much success, as we know. But so far, as you said, points yeah. later, it's off to a good start. 
Yeah, you're totally right, Josh. He only has three cup wins, and those three cup wins with Jeremy Bowens, they were all different circumstances. Kyle Busch staying out at Pocono, the Roval when Truex and Jimmy Johnson wrecked each other, and then, of course, Talladega where pretty much anything could Exactly. Happen. So you could go out on a limb and say that he hasn't officially won a race where he's been the best car yet. So we'll see what happens this season. Uh, so we going back to last week's race as well, we had – couple cars that were very strong, at least through the first two and a half stages or so. Todd Gordon, Greg Ives decided to pit Blaney and Bowman during that last caution. That's always a tricky situation when you have old tires versus new tires. But what did you guys think about the decision to pit there instead of staying out? I totally understood the call. As the old saying goes, damned if you do, damned if right. you don't. Whatever you do, people are going to do the opposite. And it's like I told you guys last Sunday, the tire that Goodyear brought, it was a good tire. The, the, the fall off enabled the leader to not pull away from the pack, from other people to, to close in on them. So I totally understand what, what Todd Gordon and Greg Ives did there. Right. I, I, I agree there too, Jake. It's, I think if they don't pit and then everybody else behind them pits, then they, they're, they're finishing even further back than they did. But since they pitted, along with everybody else behind them, I think that was their best best decision to do that. And that's why you almost don't want to be the leader in those situations because when the caution comes out, you know the guys right. behind you are going to do the opposite of what you do. And right. I know Jake's not going to want to hear this, but I think if that race stayed green, Bowman was going to win it. 100%. He would have had a great shot. No, I, I agree with him. The momentum that he had running running up against the outside wall and the amount of time that he was he was gaining on Ryan Blaney, it was definitely going to be one hell of a finish, but I, I don't know if Blaney would have been able to hold him right. off. I mean, I, I was watching it since like 15 laps to go at least, and he started like almost eight seconds back, I think, at that point and ran the leaders down. And I mean, there was no stopping Bowman if that caution didn't come out. Talking about a guy that maybe sees the writing on the wall, he's driving like his job's on the line this year last week and now we saw won the first two practices yesterday at california so not that he had the finish he would have wanted at daytona but he might be driving like he knows something's on the line here too right yeah this is a prove it year for alex bowman without a doubt especially when you consider the lack of sponsorship how rick hendrick had to put a chevrolet deal together at the very last minute less than a month before the daytona 500 because i feel like out of all the free agents he definitely has the most to lose right you know, right, the, if you, the one thing – go ahead, Jake, uh, Tim. Well, I was going to just uh, – if like uh, what Jake was saying, I mean, maybe Bowman, like he said, sees the writing on the wall. Maybe like what you said before, there was a, a conversation that was off the books and Bowman knows that there's a good chance that Kozlowski is starting to come over and uh, Bowman may be like the top one, two driver, three driver and sees, okay, well, if this veteran comes in, He's definitely, definitely going to be looked at as a, a, as a better driver than I am. So it might kick him down a notch unless he starts showing improvement and how he's going to be racing and be more aggressive. Well, Timmy, the other thing too, not only is there rumors about Brad Keselowski going to Hendrick Motorsports, but also let's not forget about Noah right. Gregson, the amazing season he's having with junior motorsports and how unlike Alex Bowman, he has sponsorship money that he could bring to the table. Right. And I honestly think if, if Bowman loses his right at Hendrick, he's going to be back to another 
subpar ride like he had before this, he's not going to get another premier shot, I don't think. Right. No, I mean, if Bowman loses this ride at Hendrick, he's back in Dale Jr. for Xfinity next year. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Jr. basically got him that ride in the 88. Right. Yeah, Yeah, he certainly did. You want to talk about being (coughs) in the right place at the right time. When Dale Earnhardt Jr. had his concussion in 2016, Alex Bowman was only doing nine Xfinity races. He was doing the simulation work at Hendrick, and and Dale Jr. endorsed him from that point on. And even when he made his retirement announcement, he said a few weeks later that he wanted Alex in the 88. Right. I know the season's still early. We're only going into our third race here. But the one thing that I really enjoy about the season so far is the fact that it seems like a lot of lesser-known guys that haven't had much success lately are in these races at the end with a chance to win. I mean, look how many laps Stenhouse. Granted, it was a pit strategy, but he led a ton of laps last week. Yeah. So, um, with that being said, Matt DiBenedetto finishes second. Do you guys feel like there's some place on the schedule coming up here in the next few races where he might get his first win? It's Bristol, baby. That's a good option. Uh, yep. I was thinking some a nice short track. Yeah, definitely. I, I think he's going to have a shot on the short tracks for sure. He. He was strong in that 95 car last year at Martinsville and Bristol. And I think that's the shot that he has to win this year is one of those four races. Right. Yeah. If you could finish six at Bristol on a Burger King car, just picture what he's going to do in a fourth Penske right. car. And what he did at some of those tracks last year in that 95 car was nothing short of spectacular, too. The road courses. Yeah. That is true. I always forget about him on the road courses, but and you know, I, I would just—we're talking about lesser guys. I, I want to see Michael McDowell in a real good car on a road course. I think he would win that race. He—he he has a lot of good, like sneaky top ten finishes. Like you look back at the results and you don't notice it at the time, but you look back at it and it's like, oh wow, he finished in the top ten again. Yeah, not even spoken about either. That's very underrated, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Dale, he's very, very underrated at the road courses. He won an Xfinity race driving for Richard Childress. He was close a few times with Joe Gibbs. And he's also very, very good when it comes to Daytona and Talladega. Plenty of top fives and top tens right. there. For sure. I mean, you guys laughed last year because I would always um, put, like, basically all scrubs in my lineup in that fantasy league that we had. And sure enough, it would end up being that I had the highest points on the restrictor. Yep. Points. Yeah. Honestly, for a piece of fantasy advice for anybody that's doing it, that's probably the way to go when it comes to restrictor plate races. Don't yep. waste your usages like Rich did on, you know, Truex and Harvick and Kyle Busch. I mean, first of all, they're not guys that typically win those races anyway. But secondly, they're most likely to get caught up in the big one. And there goes a usage, a, a wasted guy for a track that he's almost guaranteed to win at later in the season. So, right. Exactly. We were six races in, and Richard used trip six times. Uh, yeah, he's funny. good, but he's not hes not that good. I don't know if there's anybody that I would use six times right out the gate. No. He failed inspection again for tomorrow, right? right? And that goes back to what we were talking about yeah, last week with, uh, you know, the stiff penalties for failing inspections. His, you know, car chief got ejected, and he couldn't qualify. But with the car like he has, I'm sure he'll come up through the field in no time tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but see, we thought that yeah. last week, too, with everybody else with the Gibbs and the Toyotas. To me, I don't think the Toyotas are where they were. I think everybody has caught up, and, you know, they're trying to find these little things that 
are, I guess in the book is considered cheating and putting them on those cars to try to get them up there to where everybody else is and back to their dominance that they once had. Well, let's talk about that. That was a little bit farther down the list on the agenda today, but Kyle Busch, highest finishing uh, Gibbs car last week in 15th. Dale, I think you just uh, answered it on your end, but do you guys, Dale, uh, Tim and uh, Jake, think that Gibbs should be concerned with the way they've run so far this year? Yeah, they definitely should be, Josh. Last week, last week I, I thought, okay, you know, it's inspection. They had to go to the back. But this week, Kyle Busch has been slow. Denny Hamlin even said it in his qualifying interview, we've been searching for speed. And ever since he won the clash, Eric, Eric Jones has been basically non-existent. So there's definitely a lot to be concerned about there. To me, the true barometer of the Gibbs team is, is Kyle Busch. And I, honestly, I'm going to reserve judgment to see what happens tomorrow. But if he struggles again, I might, I might start to panic a little bit if I'm a Kyle Busch fan. Right. I mean, if, if they, you know, one time, okay, accident. Second time, I believe, will be uh, they're missing some steps and they need to start buttoning something up. Yeah, I mean, it's like like we said, it's it's early in the season. I think Kyle Busch is what, like 27th in points right now? He's, he's back there. Interesting stat that I heard, I think it was on Race Hub last week, is it's the first time in over six years that Gibbs didn't have a car finish inside the top 10 at a mile and a half track. So That is pretty mind-blowing. And I read the other day where this was the first time since 2011 that a single Toyota finished in the top 15 in a cup That's, race. And, it was yeah. and, and they're at a disadvantage. They, they have by far the, the least uh, cars in the field when it comes to Toyota, but they have arguably the most premier team with the best drivers with Gibbs. So. I mean, really, there's no excuse for them to be running like this, but we'll see. It's like we said, it's early. Yeah, I mean, very, yeah, very early right now. Right. So, a couple other guys that had one good, one bad uh, day last week in Vegas. You had Ricky Stenhouse Jr. finished in the top five, and then you had Kurt Busch finishing back in the 20s once again. Do you think there's any concern at Ganassi with the way uh, Kurt Busch has run so far this year? I would definitely be concerned, Josh, because they wrecked the Daytona. Okay, it's Daytona, but he dropped like a rock at Las Vegas. And then today, before qualifying, yeah, he qualified well, but his car chief got ejected because they failed inspection twice. Right. And all I could think about is last week, and not that this is any of your fault, Dale, you're just repeating what you heard, but – you know, Kurt Busch was on record of saying that he felt like he was passing cars off that had newer tires than he did. So we all thought, well, here we go. He's going to have a possibly a race-winning car. And obviously that wasn't the case. Right. Yeah, I mean, I was caught completely off guard by his performance last week. And it's ironic that the two names that are on this list that we're talking about right here are, you know, my pick for Daytona, Ricky Stenhouse, and my pick for <laughs> Vegas, Kurt Busch. <laughs> <laughs> And, I mean, Stenhouse has definitely been having a good year so far, and I, I think he's actually going to do pretty well. I wouldn't be surprised if he – I don't think he's going to win, but he could point his way into the chase with his performance right now. And Kurt Busch, I think he turns it around eventually. Um, looking at practice speeds, he's pretty fast again this week in the average lap times, and he had a pretty decent qualifying effort today too, if I recall. So I think that team's going to turn it around. He's just had some – bad luck so far right they just the gotta one thing we know the about, right the one thing we know about kurt bush is he's gonna grind and 
probably by the time we get to the playoffs, he might have a win or two, and he's gonna he's gonna make it in there. So I don't think you could count him out until we get to that last race before the cutoff, which is Daytona, right? Yeah, Daytona right at the very end. I would not be surprised if he won that race. He should have won it last year before the weather rolled exactly. in. Exactly. Wouldn't that be something if we go to Daytona and he's not locked in yet and he's got to win that race to get in there? He'll find a way. He's a wheel right. man. I was actually just thinking earlier today when I was watching qualifying, like when it comes to paint schemes, even as plain as it looks, I love that car. Oh, absolutely. Oh, flat black is one of my favorite yeah, colors. Right. Exactly. Um, so as far as the uh, race in general goes at Vegas last, last week, do you guys feel like it was a good race? Yeah, it was definitely one of the better Vegas races that we've had in a long, long time. Like I said, Goodyear brought a great tire. We had some great battles throughout the day. A pretty wild and crazy finish. So I, I was impressed with what I saw last week. I agree. I thought for a Vegas race, it was definitely a good one. Like uh, even considering you had the same guy win it for the second year in a row, I thought it was, like you said, with the tire fall off and uh, nobody really jumped out to a gigantic lead at any point. There was back and forth battles. You know, early on, it looked like Chase Elliott was going to run away with it. And then Logano at certain points and Harvick. Harvick. Yep. 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 I picked Harvick two weeks in a row and he's disappointed me, but. <laughs> no, I thought it was a good race last week. Um, I wasn't expecting it out of Vegas. Usually it's one of those snooze fests and um, ended up being a good race. But Josh, you mentioned about same guy winning it last week. Same guy won it. Daytona as well so we got back-to-back weeks with the same guy that won um, the previous year as won this year yeah that's true good yeah point. I didn't think about that yeah. yeah really good point I'm sure Kyle Bush is hoping for the same fortune tomorrow yeah, for sure yeah he definitely needs that to turn his season around right um real quick before the green flag drops here for the Xfinity race what do you guys have winning that today they're showing him on TV right now, Austin Sendrick in that 22 car. So you got uh, – is that Eric Jones on the pole? Brandon. Oh, Brandon. Brandon. Okay. Brandon Jones. Tim, you got a pick for the Xfinity race? Um, I like – I like my I like my boy Chase Briscoe, man. Nice. I like him. Oh, they just took the lineup off. I didn't see where he's starting. Uh, he's uh, third. Let's go third. Third, nice. And, you know, I, I, for some reason, I have a feeling that Harrison Burton's going to get his win this week. Oh, Jeff Burton's boy, best ten lap average yesterday. Yep. I, I, when I looked at the top ten, my eyes immediately, for obvious reasons, went right to Chastain. So that's my pick. There you go. I wanted nice. to go there, but I'm like, I can't do a back to back week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, start riding me saying I'm just gonna pick him till he wins. <laughs> that's actually not a that's not <laughs> a bad idea. Hey Josh, don't forget Brad Keselowski's in the Xfinity race next week at Phoenix. Oh, nice. Yeah, twelve car. There we go. Any other topics you guys wanted to hit on uh, Vegas before we move on to the California preview? Um. Well, of course the other thing. Yeah. Of course, the other thing too is. The forty-eight car next year. I'm telling you, I, I just, I just have this funny feeling, guys. Like, like you said, and like Dale said, 
not only is Brad Keselowski no longer the number one priority at Team Penske, I don't think he's even the number number two priority. And there was a rumor all throughout Twitter on Tuesday morning and afternoon that in the next couple months, he could be rumored to take over the 48 car at Hendrick Motorsports in 2021. So that's I, I firmly believe it's going to happen. I just want to know what you guys think. I can't see him in a 48 I don't know why. I just can't see Brad Kozlowski running a 48 car. I know Brad Kozlowski to be in the Miller Lite number two. Well, Miller Lite might not even be yeah, back I know. next year. Yeah, I know. But that's that's when I see his name, that's that's what I think. I see those two. It's tough to it's tough to say. Like I don't yeah. When I think about Brad Kozlowski, I don't even think of him anywhere other than it, it just seems like he could be going somewhere else definitely next year. And maybe maybe still in the Ford. Maybe that's Stuart Haas. Yeah, that's a good possibility, Dale. You got the 14, you got the 10. But I just talked about him, Austin Sendrick. I, I just have a firm, firm belief that he's going to be in that two car next year. Yeah, I, I, I would hate to uh... – Agree, but it seems like that's the way it's going. I, I think Brad's going to – it almost feels like he's getting pushed out of the organization with the changes. You know, they gave him the worst team this year. Um, exactly. We'll see if he could pull it together and do the most with it. But, honestly, at this point, it might surprise me if he even gets a win the way this season started off. Yeah, definitely. He had a fast car at Daytona. And then, of course, once again, Joey Logano had to ruin everything for him. <laughs> so, I'm expecting maybe two wins at best. But it definitely, it definitely has that feeling because he might have told Roger Penske already, I'm out of here after this year because when Dale Earnhardt Jr. decided that he was going to go to Hendrick Motorsports, he told his uncle Tony Uri Sr. right about this time of the year in 2007, I'm done after this year. Right. Yeah, that's a good possibility. Uh, what I was going to say before we move on to California, definitely got to give a shout-out to Ryan Sieg for a second-place finish last week in Xfinity. In a five-year-old car yet. Mm-hmm. And, man, that thing was fast until that caution came out, and he ended up uh, having to come in and get those tires and fell yeah. off. Now, before we get to California, Dale, Chase Briscoe, do you think that he moves up to, to the Cup Series next year? It wouldn't surprise me, but, man, there's so much shuffling that's going to happen over the course of the next six months with all the free agents already in the cup series and you know there's some up-and-comers i just i don't see there being enough seats for all the people out there in quality rides in the cup series timmy what was that chick timmy do you think uh your boy chase briscoe goes up to the cup series next year uh kind of like agree with dale a little bit but i mean if if there's a ride Next year, I believe he'll he'll be called up if if he has a ride. Yeah, because it's a contract year for Clint Boyer and Eric Almarola. Right, and Eric Almarola has has not impressed me these first few weeks. Yeah, and I can't see Clint Boyer going anywhere except maybe the TV booth. Yeah, true, true. Yeah, if, if Boyer's going to race, he's going to be in that car for Stuart Haas. I don't see oh, him yeah. going anywhere. But that just leaves that one other car. And to me, I can't see Stuart Haas throwing another rookie into a car so quickly with 
bringing Cole Custer up next year. I mean, this year. So that would be putting two of the best cars on the track in the hands of basically rookies or, you know, a one-year guy. And I don't know. I still really see Larson going to the stable next year. Right, right. I was just going to say, you, you were thinking prob- probably the 14, right, Dale? If Boyer retires? Yeah, if Boyer retires and goes to the booth, I can see Larson there. But Larson is really loyal to Chip for letting him race everywhere he wants to. So, I mean, my gut's telling me to go somewhere else like Stuart Haas, but I don't know. I don't know if it's going to happen. And Dale, you bring up such a great point about loyalty because – I heard a story a long, long time ago when when Kyle Larson decided to move up to NASCAR. Chip Ganassi was the only car owner that, that didn't ask him anything about how much money can you bring to the table. Yeah. Well, speaking of Clint Boyer, is going to be on the pole for the race tomorrow at Auto Club. Um, yes, sir. Beat, beat Jimmy Johnson out by, what was it, seven thousandths of a second, I believe. It was real close. Seven one thousandths of a second. Seven one thousandths. And he looked like he had it coming out of turn four. Jeff Gordon even called it. He's like, he's going to get it. And that would have been fitting for him in his final race there. He's got the most wins among active drivers. But was right. it meant to be? It's going to be Boyer on the pole tomorrow. That's all because he didn't go down. Nah, that, I was just going to say, like Dad said, if he I think he would have he would have got the pole for today. You think that would have saved it, Dale? Oh, definitely. You get that moment, momentum coming down the hill. That's going to give you that extra right. little bit that you need to get that 7,000. When I was watching qualifying, I wanted to get your guys' thoughts. I hit this question popped in my head. Do you guys feel like you like the uh, qualifying the way it is now back to the way it used to be, or do you like the group qualifying better? I like it the way it is now. Oh, I like this a hell of a lot better than – Yeah, and sit and group wait. qualifying was such a joke, especially this track last year. Yeah, that was that was so stupid. It, you know, but here it's a single lap. They're sending the cars out every fifteen seconds. It's quick. It's fast. I like having single car qualifying again. Right. I was gonna say I actually preferred the group qualifying until they started doing the nonsense where they were lining up at the end of pit road and waiting until the final minute to go out. That yeah. really bothered me because it was water and everything up. But up until that point, I did like the group qualifying better. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe if they did like a little bit of a different take on the group call qualifying, like I believe it was the truck series, and maybe even Xfinity has dabbled with this, where you send like five or six cars or trucks out on the track at the same time, and it's basically the same thing. You run a couple laps and then bring it in. It's not like you're sitting out there waiting for the time to expire or anything, but you have a few cars on the track. You can get those runs if you want to try to team up. Just you know, something a little different than single car because single car honestly qualifying is pretty boring yeah and on a track like this it takes forever when oh, you're sending one oh, car out yeah i was gonna say especially restrictor plate qualifying at daytona and talladega it seems like such an eternity and dale you you mentioned group qualifying sending a couple cars out once every couple minutes and and i i still see that at the road courses in, in the cup series xfinity and trucks too so yeah. Well, obviously, with uh, Boyer on the pole there, do you feel like he's got any shot tomorrow? Or you think that's something that you just had qualifying speed and it's going to wear out pretty quick? 
Well, he even said in his interview when he won the pole at Las Vegas last September, he made the comment, he said, I was 50th by lap five. So that's the thing. These Stuart Haas cars, sometimes it seems like they're, they're trimmed out well for qualifying, but not the race, you know, unless you're, you're Kevin Harvick. But uh, huh. yeah, I, I don't know as far as, as far as speed goes tomorrow, but I, I think it's just trimmed out. Well, he's, he's 10th in five lap runs and doesn't even have a 10 lap out there from final practice. So uh, to me, I yeah. it's just, you know, he had a good qualifying package and, you know, maybe fall in that eight to 12 range, but I don't see him up front the whole day. Right. Yeah. Now, Dale, Kyle Larson, Kyle Larson, who we all know is your driver finished in the top 10 in every race so far this year. That includes the duels. Do you feel like being the winner from 2017 at Fontana, he's a favorite for tomorrow? Favorite. I don't necessarily think he's a favorite, but he's definitely a dark horse. Yeah. Even though, you know, he, he's won there in the past. I still think he's more of a dark horse at this point because the car really hasn't been super fast this weekend. Right. And, I mean, he's still in the top ten in uh, averages, but not in that top five where I think you need to be. And I just – the pit crew on that team needs to step their game up every time he's pit and he's losing two to three spots. And that's something tough to, you know, dig yourself out of. Um, I remember last week it was – I think it was the first pit stop came in like eighth went out 16th or something like that and wow yeah but on that restart he went from 16th to fifth in a lap right but still uh, I, I yeah that picker needs to step it up for him to stay up there and be consistently up there yeah that's definitely not something you want to see from one of the bigger teams what do you guys think especially with this package and how hard it is to pass right yeah, I was going to say that that's that's the other tough thing with, with this package, Josh, is, you know, the, the restarts are incredible. But after that, it's incredibly, incredibly hard to, to pass cars on the racetrack when you lose that many spots on pit road. But as far as Larson tomorrow, I would not be surprised if he's a factor. I mean, his, his first real chance at winning a cup race was his rookie year in 2014 when he finished second to Kyle Busch there. So he, he seems to have a knack because Fontana, it kind of resembles a dirt track, the way you slide around and run up against the fence. Right. Right. Any track that the high line's in play, he's going to be a potential winner. And Tim, obviously, with Jimmy Johnson being your driver, he re- we got Atlanta and Miami coming up. He recorded his first win there back in 2002. I don't know right. if you were watching as uh, closely as you are now, but. I don't know if any of us could have pictured that he'd win 83 races and seven championships when he got that first win back in 02. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, does anybody know, but did anybody know what Tom Brady was going to do? Did anybody know that Dale Earnhardt senior was going to do what he did? Nope. No, you just don't know. And it's, it, that's the greatest part about these sporting events. Like you sit back and watch and listen and like basically watch history being made right in front of your eyes. But Right. And personally, I didn't. I wasn't really watching back then, but you know, seeing all the recaps and everything. I mean, it's it's pretty crazy of the accomplishments that he's actually had, and I mean, nobody nobody saw it coming. Right. Well, I mean, one of the craziest things about him at this track is he has finished every single lap he has ran at this track. Never finished a lap down, nothing like that. He's finished every lap. That's that's yeah. With how many times he's actually ran there? Right. That's that's crazy considering that's, the. That's so mind blowing. 
Go ahead, Jake. Considering, yeah, sorry, guys. But considering, I remember the 2012 race of California. If that race didn't, didn't get restarted after the rain came, his engine, his engine died while it was sitting on pit road. And then 2014, he was leading with only four or five laps to go. Left front tire blew out, and he still finished on the lead lap. It's remarkable also with Fontana how much of a strain it is on the engines, too. Right. Um, so your defending champ is Kyle Busch. He won this race last year. Do any of you guys feel like this could possibly be the race that gets him back on track? Based off of what I've seen in practice and qualifying, unfortunately, I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, where did he finish qualifying at? Seventeenth. Uh, he wasn't even in the top ten. Seventeenth, yeah, like seventeenth. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that was uh, what about a half a second off? It looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the highest qualifying gift card too. Right. I mean, still at these tracks, though. To me, I, I don't think qualifying really tells us the whole story with this package, especially with the momentum that you need to keep up. No. But looking at the averages and everything like that, Kyle Busch is sitting at sixth and 15 lap averages. And um, I don't think that this is actually the week he gets it done. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'm leaning that way either. But you got Denny Hamlin back there in 28th, Jones 29th, and of course Truex has to start last, so. Certainly not a good qualifying effort from the Gibbs team. Right. Um, we had some amazing finishes to talk about here as well. You got 2011 Harvick versus Jimmy, 2013, uh, and then, of course, 2014 when Logano and Denny got into it and Denny hurt his back with the inside wall collision there. Any finishes stick out in your guys' mind as being the best at this racetrack? <laughs> I would probably have to go with 2013. It was absolutely insane. The restart with 12 laps to go. And the week before that, when Joey Logano and Denny Hamlin, they got together at Bristol. And Denny Hamlin made the comment, you know, I, I shouldn't be worried about him. He's nowhere near the front anyway. <laughs> and sure enough, the, ver the very last couple laps, it comes down to those two. And they end up taking each other out. And then Kyle Busch scoots on by to win the race. And then next thing you know, on pit road, here's Tony Stewart trying to go after Joey Logano. So, um, that that's probably the one that stands out the most to me. And Tony Stewart said he hated how Danica Patrick's pit crew got in his way because he he was gonna he was gonna whale Joey pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a good one that sticks out in my mind for sure too. You guys have any others or pretty much those same three? His interview with Steve Burns was epic. Oh, those three definitely stand out. Uh, probably my personal favorite would probably have to be 2001. Rusty Wallace winning on what would have been Dale Earnhardt's 50th birthday and taking the, the three flag for a victory lap. That was special, too. Mm. Yeah, I can't argue with that there. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have any that really stand out to me for this track. So I know we mentioned a couple times now that it's, you know, still early in the season. We're just hitting our third race here. Um, do you feel like there's any drivers in particular that absolutely have to run good tomorrow? Eric Jones. It's a contract year. He's been slow at Las Vegas and California. He's starting 29th. This is 
I think this is a make or break year for him as well because at some point they're they're gonna want to Fidel in, in one of the, the real Gibbs cars. Right. Yeah, that's a good pick. I mean I think the writing already on is already on the wall with that one because uh, I have to go with, with Bowman on that one, man. Bowman. He's yeah, got a fast I, car, I, so I, yeah, that's it. But I think he needs to. He, I think he needs to finish where either where he's at or higher. Right. Yeah, because he doesn't have a single top ten to his name yet this year. Right. No. And he's starting uh, third, so he's he's going to be starting up front for sure. Um, and he did take those first two practices, as we mentioned, so. Pressure's kind of on. He, he said they really didn't make many adjustments. They were pretty much fast when they unloaded. So, right, they brought it from Vegas or whatever, right? I would assume so. As far as I know, yeah. But Alex Bowman, he, Alex Bowman even said it in his interview, though. Think about it. He was fast on Friday, but it was sunny. It was slick out tomorrow. Tomorrow it's going to be much cooler. Probably going to be cloudy. You're probably going to have to fight the weather. So that's the thing. Is that speed going to translate over tomorrow? Right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, for tomorrow, they're saying highs in the 50s. It's basically unheard of at this track. But in my opinion, I think William Byron yeah. is one that has to do something tomorrow to get his season, get back on track. Right. Yeah, um, yeah he's off to a rugged start. Yeah, for sure. If I had to pick somebody... Like I said, it. I feel like it's too early in the season to be having these conversations just yet. But if I had to pick somebody, I'm gonna have to go with Kyle Bush. If he struggles tomorrow, people are gonna start saying, "Okay, something's up." Yeah, what's going and, on? What's going on? Yeah, right. I mean, like we said, you got the best team, arguably. You got the best stable of drivers, and here we are. Everybody's qualifying outside the top fifteen, and you're not running well. You're back in points, except for Denny with the win. So. To me, he's the guy that's got to show up tomorrow and have a good run, if not win. Yeah, because he's pretty much he's pretty much the, the championship pick of a lot of people going into this year. And like you said, Josh, even though Denny Hamlin won the Daytona 500, other than that, they were absolutely horrible at Las Vegas, and they haven't looked any better here at California. Right. Now, you guys uh, alluded to it a little bit with the weather tomorrow. We're obviously looking at cooler temps. There's some rain forecasted throughout the day at numerous points. Do you feel like the crew chiefs might call this race a little differently, knowing that they may not go the full distance? Well, I think that – well, here's the deal. Fontana is notorious for tire wear, so I feel like that won't change. I feel like it's going to be four tires every single time they come down pit road. But once we get – if they get past lap 100 – and they know that the rain is coming and, and the end is coming, then I think that's where you see them say, stay out, two tires, gas only, something like that. This almost has the, a 2012 feel to it. It was beautiful Friday, Saturday. It looks terrible on Sunday. I would not, I would not be surprised if, if the first two stages are completely clean, just trying to get to lap 100. Right. And you mentioned uh... – Something interesting, too, there, too, Jake, because I think you actually had an interaction with Pacres on uh, Twitter the other day, and he confirmed that they have to make it to the end of stage two, right? It's no longer halfway. 
Well, that was so that was the Xfinity race last week in Vegas. They went back to the old rule of they went back to the old rule of you have to get halfway. So for tomorrow, slap one hundred. But the case last week, the end of uh, the end of the second stage was ninety laps. So what he said was, if they got to lap ninety on Saturday, then that would have been good right then and there. So it's either either one basically. Whatever comes first, I guess. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. But the second stage tomorrow that doesn't end until lap one twenty. Oh, okay, so that's beyond halfway. Hmm. What do you guys think? Any any crew chief calls that might stay out or pit, or how do you think that plays with the weather looking the way it does? Nothing significant, I don't believe. I think they're just gonna have to play. Saying. Yeah, I think they're just gonna have to play it out as they, you know, as as the weather starts to come in, if it does or doesn't. So I think they're just gonna whatever strategies they have right now. I think they'll just play it out and then you know play it by ear after that. All right. I mean, with the tire wear the way it is at this track, it's like Jake said. You need four tires unless there's rain imminent and you're at the end of a fuel run. I don't see anybody staying out and doing anything different than taking four and going for the win. Right, Jake, has this track ever been repaved? Yeah, because the way the t- – never. This is the same same surface when it had its first race in 1997. Okay, because I was going to say, watching some of this on-track action earlier, like yesterday and today, and now the Xfinity race, I mean, that's got some pretty big bumps in it, and, and it was illustrated even further when they went to uh, Jimmy's helmet cam. I mean, that was – that car bounces around pretty good at this racetrack. Yeah. Well, let's be honest too. I mean, the racing yeah definitely suck at this racetrack. Yeah. So the the track condition the way it is right now is definitely a positive thing for the fans because we're seeing more action than we ever did at Auto Club. Right. Sure. But if they repave it and smooth it out, I think we're going to go back to those pretty much boring races again at this track. Right. Yeah. And Jake, you could probably I totally agree with Dale and the other. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I, I agree with Dale. And the other thing, too, that I think has made Fontana so much better was when they cut it from 500 miles to 400 miles, almost kind of like Pocono. Ever since they cut Pocono down to 400 miles, some of the some of the racing there has been absolutely crazy. Yeah, for sure. And my biggest fear tomorrow is if it rains, these weepers, if the water seeps out of the asphalt, like what happened at Pocono in 2009, and it happened here at Fontana in 2008. That's probably my biggest worry if it were to rain tomorrow. Right. Yeah. I mean, watching the race right now, you look, look at those cracks everywhere with all the uh, filler. I mean, they it's just set up perfect for those weepers. So. Oh, yeah. That, that definitely is going to oh, be yeah. a bad thing. Yeah, Jake, you could probably help me out with the year, but I vividly remember a race here where Greg Biffle was in command, led a ton of laps, and it seemed like right at the end of the race, like maybe five or six from the end, there was like three or four guys that blew an engine at the end. Yeah, he was one of them. That was 2006. Okay. Yeah, obviously takes the time. Well, I remember because I had a hell of a migraine that day. <laughs> yeah. I remember I felt horrible that day. I had a headache, and I was just barely watching it, and I saw him blow up when he had about a five or six-second lead. Right. Yeah. So, Dale, did you want to explain the uh, contest that we're doing among our the four of us? Yeah, sure. So we came up with this idea where um, every week now we've been making our picks. 
but we figured, you know, let's do something a little different with it, and we're still going to continue to make our picks every week, um, as we would normally, but then we're going to have picks for a competition that we're going to do. So every week, uh, each one of us is going to pick a driver. We're going to use the points that they earn in that race to determine uh, how many points we all get. And then we're going to do that for every remaining race this year. Uh, the one caveat that we're going to add is we can only pick each driver twice during the year. This way it adds some variety to it and some complexity as well. So you have to be a little um, strategic. And, you know, we haven't come up with anything yet, but we'll probably come up with something for an award type of thing for the winner. And then definitely some kind of punishment for whoever finishes last. Which I'm very nervous about. Timmy. <laughs> we should all be. Yeah, Timmy. Timmy, if, if you come in last, you have to sing uh, your least favorite Luke Bryan song. I can, can piece, I can I could piece every single album together because that's pretty much what it is. Personally, I think he has to get a Red Sox tattoo. Yeah. There we go. That'll never yeah, happen. We'll hey, we'll pay for it. We'll chip in <laughs> and pay for it. No, I'll, I'll get a red sock on my uh, body, but I ain't getting no symbol. I mean, in honor of uh, the Astros, I'll, I'll get a garbage can tattooed on me. <laughs> Tim, my suggestion was you have to swing, uh, sing Sweet Caroline on the podcast. Oh, yeah, I could do that right now. I'll do it right now. Win or lose. <laughs> um, real quick before we make those picks, Tim, did you want to tell our listeners how they could get in touch with us with the Twitter and the email address? Oh. Ooh. Oh yeah, that's right. All right, so uh, we had to, we decided to do a, a Twitter uh, to help better reach people that are listening and want to get in touch with us and ask questions and in real time and all that. So uh, our uh, Twitter handle is Joe's, or well, it's at Joe's, the at sign Joe's J O E S no apostrophe five seven zero. Okay, that's that, uh, and if you. You can, there's also an email. You could also email us at averagejoes570 at gmail.com. All right. So if anybody's got any picks for the race tomorrow and you want to get them in before it starts, either email or Twitter, uh, get it out to us and we'll see. Maybe we could get you to be a part of the contest as well. Right. Yeah, there we go. I mean, if we get some fans listening, um, we can do their picks as well and put it up against ours and see how the fans do week to week. Yeah, yeah I like now that. keep in mind if if you enter the contest and you lose, you gotta do whatever the bet is that we set though. Yep. <laughs> um all right, so do we want to do our real picks first or the contest picks? Let's start out with the contest since that's uh fresh and what we're talking about right now. All right, who wants to go first? So so we're just picking one driver for each race, correct? Correct. One driver for each race, um, whatever points they earn, including stage points, will go into um, a tracking spreadsheet that I created. Okay. And we're going to tally it up at the end of the year. And keep in mind, though, you can only use each driver twice throughout the year. Right. Okay. Jake, you so... want to go first? Who, me? Yeah, sure. No, the, the other Jake. Yeah, the other Jake. Yeah, that's you on. go first, Tim. <laughs> yeah, the one from State Farm. Jake, uh, Jake from State Farm. He's probably wearing right. khakis, if I had to guess. <laughs> so, do you want me to go first? If you want to, go ahead. <laughs> you know, I can't. Um, I can't believe I have to make this pick. Yes, this is just based. This is 
Believe me, I want to throw up this thing. Oh, right I can't now. wait to hear this. Record this. Yeah. We are. I know. But, <laughs> as far, yeah, as far as who, I can't even believe I'm going to say this. We know. We have an hour, Jake, so just say it. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Basically, it used to be my favorite number. <laughs> yeah. I don't even want to say his name. Say it. No, you got to oh, say know it. Who it is. Not, no, no, no. I need to hear it. Yeah. Bowman. Oh. Uh, I can't so freaking believe that. Yeah. Oh, sweet. This would this, this be like, this is, this would be like me picking picking Baker Mayfield against the Steelers. <laughs> Mark it down, folks. Two twenty nine twenty. Jake picked Alex Bowman to win a race. Well, right. it's, it's leap day. That's why. I was going to say it is ironic. It's a leap year. Quarter five at night. That explains it all. <laughs> I thought I mean, he's starting third. He had the best. He had the best ten yeah. lap average. And this whole time, I thought yeah, Clarissa I'm explained it all. I'm hoping for some all. reverse psychology here. <laughs> <laughs> Dale, you were ready to make a pick, I believe. There. No, I was going to say, Josh, I have you down first. Oh, okay. So. Um, well, you're going to appreciate this, then. I'm going to go with Kyle Larson. Ooh. I don't know. I just feel like he's been good enough. Through practice and qualifying, and I'm banking on the fact that he's got a long run car tomorrow. Yeah, that's a good choice. He's been, I think he's sixth overall in the top, uh, fifth with 15 lap runs. He's sitting at seventh and 20 lap runs. So, all right. He's up there. Well, obviously, we don't have to pick the guy that wins the race. We're just picking a guy that we think is going to finish decent and get us some points. Correct. Who's next on the list? All right, Timmy. Give me that good old 48, brah. Oh, my God. Everybody's picking yeah, yeah. their favorite drivers. Yeah, yeah. As John from Plymouth would say. <laughs> Honestly, I, I was thinking about taking John from Plymouth. Well, hey, well, let's, let's, hey, let's hold hands together, Dale, and let's take them together. Nah, you know, I'm going to go with, uh, you know, this guy, he's been running up front both weeks. I'm going to say Ryan Blaney pulls Ooh. Oh, with the Kobe tribute scheme. Right. Fix could be in. Yeah. yeah. Whose uh, scheme did you guys like better, uh, Blaney's or Byron's? I don't even think that's a question. Blaney's. I like Blaney's. Yeah. Byron's is too plain, I think. Yeah. It's just kind of well. The, the one thing, the one thing about Byron's was, yeah, I like, I like Blaney's. The one thing about Byron's, and I have to respect Exalta for this. Exalta said that they were out of respect for for all nine victims. They were not going to put any flames on there. Nice. Yeah, that would be pretty unsettling. Yeah, that's very classy. Yeah, and we can't. You know, I never even thought about that. Right. Well, we can't forget, too, that, uh, Tim, as you mentioned earlier in the week when we were texting each other, that Suarez has all nine people on, on his car. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yep, yep, yep. And, he, yeah, and, he's auctioning off, uh, and as you mentioned, Timmy. Uh, his shoes as well. There. Oh, is he? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Oh, wow. And also, as you mentioned, Timmy, William Byron – William Byron was classy enough to, to name all, all nine on his uh, tweet the other day. Yeah, nice. Yeah, he did. Cool. So are we doing 
picks who we think is going to win now or outside of the contest? As long as, it, as, long as Jake takes Bowman again. <laughs> hey. He could have just been being smart hey, with you. Know what, some... Keep it G rated, Jake. Keep it G rated, whatever you're going to tell me. <laughs> hey, all I could say is I'm looking forward to seeing that 48 in victory lane a lot of times next year. Uh, I don't know about that, man. <laughs> oh, it's happening, believe me. Bowman can end up. Bowman, yeah, yeah, Bowman being in that 48. Hey, hey, that would be a dream come true for Brad Keselowski to be in the 88. That'd be a dream come true for me. Yeah, we I can mean, start wearing your gear you know, again. Yeah, I could. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, that, I mean, that's the thing. I, it's Alex Bowman has looked very, very fast this weekend. I will give him credit there as much as it Um, You know, the, the thing is, California is a two-mile California is a two-mile track. It reminds me so much of Michigan. So you know what? You know who was really good at Michigan? Todd Gordon. So Ryan Blaney, watch out for him tomorrow. Yeah. Right. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Uh, my actual non-contest pick is gonna be uh the eighteen, Kyle Busch. Oh. Who's that, Josh? Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch. Nice. Fellas, I'm going I with like his new. Yeah, I'm going to save him up for. Uh... Mm. Oh, and who'd you pick for the contest? Going for the 48. <laughs> He's all in. I'm Please. all in. Clean sweep. Clean sweep. Going it. Nice. Dale. Can't get Timmy off that Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with. <laughs> I'm going to go with Bowman the Showman. Bowman the Showman. No love for Larson, huh, Dale? No, I just. He's I'm saving his pick, that's why. Well, it's a, this is outside the pick, so I mean, oh, that's I true. Yeah, that's true. Larson, but I just. I, I'm just not feeling it yet. I haven't seen. I haven't seen the speed that he has showed in the past. I mean, granted, yes, he's finished in the top 10 each week, but last week. I think it was – actually, I think it's pretty much been ninth each week. So, it's not like he's getting top fives. But... Right. Um, yeah. So, with that being said, do you guys have anything else in NASCAR you want to talk about? Or should we finish up our final segment here with the NFL? Uh, pretty good. I mean, we, we brought up the uh, the bounty, right? No, I don't no, think we, we did. didn't cover it. All right, so Jake, you want to explain so, what's going on there with the additional bounty? All right, so Stuart Friesen's one truck owner said that he is going to give out his fifty thousand dollar bounty to a truck series regular that could beat Kyle Busch. And since we were last on here, Chase Elliott he confirmed he will go up against Kyle Busch at Atlanta in Kansas. And also Kyle Larson, as we expected, in the GMS truck at Miami. Well, I already said I don't think a Cup guy is going to even be able to beat him. So obviously, I don't think a truck regular is going to be able to take him down. I just want to point out that it's going to take Chase Elliott two attempts to potentially beat him, other than Larson only needing one. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. But I wouldn't be surprised if uh, we see 
Marcus Lemonis double uh, bounty out there again for the Truck Series regulars. And I really think the Truck yeah. Series regular has it. the best shot at doing this, so wouldn't be surprised if you see Endfinger, you see maybe Stuart Friesen win it. Um, I think they have a better shot than the actual Cup Series regular. Yeah. What that's next week, right? Is the first first attempt? Two weeks. Yeah, Atlanta's in two weeks, Timmy. Yeah. <clears throat> right. Got the West Coast swing going on. Yeah. Thought you were gonna break out. It wouldn't be a bad thing. So, I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on this as we transition to the football talk. Um, obviously, the Underwear Olympics, also known as the NFL Scouting Combine, are underway this week. How much stock do you guys put into these guys working out for NFL teams? Do you feel like the workouts prove anything? Do you feel like a guy's draft stock could be determined off of it? How do you feel about these workouts? I don't think it proves anything, to be honest, because it's, it's not game situation oh, no. stuff. So, that's right. pretty much my input on it. I feel like it hurts people more. What was that, Dale? Yeah, I took... Personally, I, I, I think it hurts people more than it helps them in the long run for the most part. Right. I mean, sometimes you'll see some decent injuries happen and, and their draft um, stock actually falls versus going up. But True. The only two things I honestly really care about from the combine are the medical checks, which is basically the guys that were hurt getting reexamined, and obviously that's huge for uh, Tua with the hip fracture. Right. And the other thing is the interviews. You know, you get to sit these guys down and really grill them on maybe some issues they had in college or maybe the way they handled a certain situation. So for me, those are the two important things. But other than that, I don't really put much into the workouts. I think the 40-yard dash is nonsense. The bench press is probably going to be done away with in a few years, but right, that's how I that's how I feel about it. Jake, yeah, I totally agree with Dale. More than more than anything, that that the combine it could really really hurt your stock as far as where you could go in the NFL draft. And it's like you said, Josh, it's so crucial these interviews, especially with some guys that might have had off the field issues and. The, the one thing about the combine is it seems like every year we always get some, some sort of hidden gem once in a while. I mean, look at Tom Brady's scouting report 20 years ago. Scrawny, lacks mobility, doesn't know how to ad lib. So I, that's, like you said, that's just some of the many, many intriguing things with the combine. Right. And for the first year ever, they're holding it in prime time. So it's been on every night since Thursday. It'll finish up tomorrow, but... I don't know if this is a money grab type of deal or what this is, but I just – I'm not super interested in it, to be honest. Now, is there a cheerleader version of the combine? Uh, why do you ask? I don't know. I think that would be something I would tune into. Well, there was gymna- – <laughs> they had gymnastics on ESPN2 earlier. Might still be on. <laughs> ESPN8, um, the Ocho. The one thing I do like about the combine is some of the big news that comes out about some teams – from coaches talking, owners talking. And so the other day, Jeff Darlington reported that uh, people around Tom Brady have pretty much said that uh, his time in New England is up and he's going to be playing elsewhere next year. 
I know we talked about this in previous shows, but have your opinions changed on that yeah. hearing that report or is it still the same? Get them up. Until it actually happens, then I'll believe it because it's like we said, Josh, 20 years, why, why would you want to, why would you want to leave all of a sudden? So I have a hard time believing it. And of course, the other domino is if he does leave, where in fact would he go? Right. You know? For Oakland, Tennessee. You don't think? Yeah. No, he, there's no chance of him going anywhere. This is all just to get people talking and publicity and all that. That's that there's, there's no way he's leaving Bill Belichick. Well, and the, and the other thing too is the Raiders, what do they, what do they really have to offer besides Josh Jacobs and Darren Waller? Like I said last week, and then the Tennessee Titans, the Tennessee Titans, Derek Henry has made it known. He wants them to keep Ryan Tannehill. I, like, I, I don't really know like what sense it would make. And like, and like you said, Josh, why would he want to go to the Cowboys? Right, exactly. Too. Yeah, it was. I mean, personally, I, I think the longer and longer that this goes on and him not talking to the Patriots, I think it's more apparent that he's going to end up somewhere else. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned that what does the what do the Raiders have to offer? I mean, they have a brand new stadium, new team name, uh, new city, mm-hmm. basically. Two years, $60 million. Yeah, you could kind of yeah. start your own legacy and get one of those receivers off of free agency. Well, I mean, start a new legacy, let's put it that way, because yeah. we already know what he's done in New England. I did see a report out there. I don't know how true it is, but I saw a report that the Patriots are waiting until the CBA gets finalized to re-sign Brady. But I guess, like you guys said, we'll see what happens. Right. Yeah, I, the only way that maybe he could definitely end up staying, I mean, picture if the Patriots got A.J. Green because obviously that's been the, the biggest thing that people have been saying that he didn't have the weapons he didn't have the protection and now with Dante Starnecchia retiring it, it's it's just so so strange the way this is evolving yeah and who knows for all we know he could just be sitting back laughing at all of us speculating on this and he could just be like I'm coming back I don't know what the big deal is already right. talked to Kraft yeah. and Belichick and you know the deal's already in place we just can't do anything yet I mean, he had that commercial for the Super Bowl that made everybody think like, oh, oh, my God, he's, he's retiring, he's retiring. And he's like, I'm not going anywhere. It's, he's just trying to get people to watch him more. That's all. Yeah. And let's and not he, forget there's – And here's the other weird thing. There's not a whole lot of news coming out right now, so people are looking to, for the headline grabbers. Right, right. And the other thing, too, is how the hell do, do the Giants emerge as a wild card out of all this? It, that makes no sense. Especially yeah. when you just got Daniel Jones last year. Right. And as far as I know, they seem pretty satisfied with him. Yeah. The, the funny thing is, <laughs> Sean doesn't want him on the Titans, and Kyle Williams doesn't want him on the Raiders. So. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> they're they're kind of hoping he stays in New England. <laughs> well, speaking of Kyle, we did say we're going to do a, a mock draft episode. We're going to go through at least a first round and make mm-hmm. selections for the first round picks. Uh and Jake, you said Kyle has agreed to join us for that one? Yes, April 18th. And he said he's hoping that the Raiders, that they could go after Jordan Love. Yeah, that'd be a solid pick. So I think the way we laid yeah, that out is we're going to uh, come to consensus with all the teams except our own. So obviously, Jake and Tim, you would pick the Raiders. Dale, if you're in, you'll pick the Redskins and I'll pick the Cowboys. Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> Steelers, you mean, uh, Josh? 
Steelers. Yeah, I meant to yeah. say. Yeah. I meant to say Raiders for Kyle. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, then if Jake and Tim are doing the Steelers, there's no pick for them. Yeah, for the first no, that's round. True. They don't have a first round pick. Well, right. well, I guess technically, technically, we would have to do the Dolphins pick that they got for uh, Minka Fitzpatrick. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, you could do that. Yeah. Um. Jake, what were the comments that Bruce Arians made the other day about Jameis Winston? <laughs> so when it was on Tuesday, he was on Colin Coward's show, and he was asked, what will, when will you make a decision about Jameis Winston? And he said, when we know if the next quarterback is available. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's not Sounds a... Sounds like something my dad would say. <laughs> yeah, that's not a ringing endorsement for Jameis by any means. Nope. Um, it is a pretty talented free agent quarterback class that's out there. I mean, obviously, no one's been signed or anything yet, but you know, franchise tags are eligible to be passed out. I'm I'm thinking Dak Prescott's going to receive one of those, but you know, you got Philip Rivers out there, Jameis, obviously, potentially. Uh, where do you think those guys end up? Yeah, you know, I I still I still believe that Philip Rivers could end up in Tampa Bay. I really, really do. I would love to see him work with Bruce Arians. Of course, the, the emotion and the, leaders, and the leadership that both of those guys have. But, of course, that, that's the other hot rumor is uh, it sounds like the Colts are probably the favorite for Philip Rivers. Yeah, and that was my pick. I felt like he was going there all along. I honestly see him being a good fit in that Colts system. Yeah, me too. I completely forgot about the Colts last week when we were talking about this. Yeah. You know, now I've been seeing those reports and stuff. And it seems um, like a perfect fit for him. The one interesting uh, – well, I guess two players spoke up about it today, but I did see Michael Thomas's comments about Tony Romo's new deal with CBS. He's going to get $17 million a year to call the football games. I don't know if there's any golf worked into that at all, but – Michael Thomas basically said it. How is it fair that a guy calling football games makes more than 90% of the league? Yeah, that's insane. $17 million to call football games. Not even on Monday Night Football either. Right. No. And that was the early rumor that he was going to go to ESPN and do Monday night. I thought for sure that was happening. Yeah, me too. Man, that broadcast. Yeah, they were offering him. Oh, yeah, it's awful. Well, Booger McFarland, he, he's a meme every single weekend. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and the, the thing is, Josh, Monday Night Football has lost its luster. Back then, that, that was the game. That's pretty much what Sunday Night Football is now. And ever exactly. since they took it off of ABC and, and put it on ESPN, it, it's, it's been garbage ever since. I really didn't even mind when it was Mike Tirico and John Gruden. I thought that tandem was pretty decent, but – you know, last year with Witten in the yeah. booth, I thought he was bad. And now with uh, Tess and Boog, I don't think it's gotten much better. So. Yeah. yeah, Booger being captain obvious. <laughs> the team that wins is the one that scores the most points. Yeah. The Booger Mobile. Yeah. <laughs> the Booger Mobile. <laughs> yeah, picture um, going to a game and having that obstruct your view. Yeah, that's for sure. What about Antonio Brown? So apparently, Jake, there were some comments made by 
the Steelers uh, GM and Mike Mayock saying they would never bring him back? No, what Kevin Colbert said, they were at, he was asked, would you ever consider bringing Antonio Brown back? And he said that, you know, we care about Antonio Brown, the person, but as far as Antonio Brown, the player, we're done with him. And Mike Mayock pretty much said the same thing. Yeah, that's what I just said. I said they want to bring him back. Yeah. So, I yeah, guess, so do you guys... Fuck to Antonio. Trying to find another job. Yeah. Do you guys think he'll play anywhere ever again, or do you think he's pretty much done? I think he's done. I can't see him playing anywhere else. Yeah. Might have to... Just like Ocho Cinco, he's done. Yep. Might have to take a gig in the XFL. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if the XFL even wants him. Yeah, he's just too much of he's too much of a hassle. You got to worry about him freaking out all the time. Right. Yeah. He's sorry because he needs money, probably. Yeah. Yeah, and and the other thing, Timmy, is you know how he acted, how he acted like such a jackass on social media this past year or so, and all of a sudden out of nowhere he's trying to apologize to the Steelers and Tomlin and Ben Roethlisberger. There's there's something's definitely not right with him. Right. Yeah, he's like bipolar or something. I would I would assume the way he flips like a switch has to be. Anything else you guys want to discuss before we end the show today? No, you got you got all me, man. I'm good. Dale, Jake. No, not really, man. Been a good show. All right, so that's gonna do it. We covered everything we needed. Yeah, for sure. We're going to go enjoy the Xfinity race now and see how that turns yeah. out. But that's going to see if anybody can beat Jones here. Right. So that's going to do it for Season 1, Episode 7 of the Average Joe's Podcast. We appreciate you guys listening. And uh, we'll be back at you next week with a recap of California and start previewing the Phoenix race. Have yeah. Take it easy. Bye.